Hey, welcome to the show. As you can tell, we're on a little earlier today. I have a special guest that's that's on from, from Europe. This is why we're on early, but this guest is so cool. My name is Charlotte, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. And I am the owner and operator of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team at www.californiahaunts.org. Uh, we are 35 strong up and down the state of California, plus we have members in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. But I just want to welcome our guest, uh, G. Michael Vasey. I am a big fan of his books. I have read uh, his Black Eyed Kids book, his Black Eyed Children books, um, religiously. I just, you know, I just find that so interesting, and, I, and his background is interesting as well. So we're going to ask him about that. Um, the other night, <laughs> along this line, I have a kind of humorous story in that um, my mother and I, when she was alive, we used to go out to McDonald's like at midnight or one o'clock, you know, uh, because my dad would be asleep and it'd be like a relaxing thing for her. And we'd go get a burger and we'd sit down and just chat and unwind for the day. The other night I was uh, Saturday night, I, I had a stressful day, so I decided to go to go do the same thing. Went to the McDonald's that was really busy with people and uh, got my food parked and I was just sitting there eating and thinking about today's topic, black, you know, the black eyed children trying to access your car and access your house and all that. And sure enough, a young, a young girl knocked on my window and tried to open my car door. <laughs> and the first thing I thought was, oh, my God, it, it, it's one of them. So I remember, you know, instead of saying, well, who are you? What do you want? My first reaction was, go away, leave me alone. And that's all because I, I, it's all because I was thinking about tonight's show. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Mr. Vasey on. Can you hear me? Everything? Yes. Good. How are you, sir? I'm good. Not too bad. Awesome. My hair's a mess, I notice. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm okay. growing it. There you I'm go. In the, I'm in the midst of growing it, and it's a, I can't do anything at all except, you know, just keep it out of my eyes, basically. That works. It's a work in progress. That's yeah, all. absolutely. I have been a fan of yours for years. Reading really? Your books. Yes. Well, that's nice absolute, to know. Absolute fan. And your Black Eyed Children book just scared the living hell out of me. And they scared the living hell out of me too. <laughs> that topic scares me because I mean you just whoa, you know, because I'm a person like at night, and I don't want to say this publicly, but at night, um, because my house gets really hot, I don't have air conditioning right now. I will leave my front door open at the you know, almost lock the screen and then I'll have an attic fan going on. And that's my thought is yeah. one day they're gonna walk up or something to my front door, you know, and I'll have to deal with that. Well, I tell you, um, you know, when you do what I do, which is write these, collect stories and write books, um, you have, you know, I'm not that scared usually, but after writing that book, there was one or two nights when I woke up 
at um, say two, three o'clock in the morning here in this apartment, thinking I'd heard a knock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and trust me, it took me a long time to get back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy because, well, I'll let you tell some of the stories, but I mean, they'll even show up at your back door, you know, and it's just like, yeah. what the heck? You know, what are these things? Who knows? I mean, I tried to um, I tried to come up with with my own theory, and it tends to agree with other people um, who do work in the life after death and spirituality side of things. That that there are parallel universes with other types of entities, and um, some of those entities have been around for longer than us, and probably be around long after us. And they do feed they do feed on human emotion, fear, um, lust, that kind of thing. And, and I, I'm just of the mind that that's what the black-eyed people are. They're basically demonic, what we call demonic entities that, that try to create the fear emotion that they need to sustain themselves. They're like a vampire, basically. Wow. Before we start getting into this, you have a unique background. So, so let's hear about your background so people understand why you got into writing this stuff. Well, I, I grew up as a child in a place called Hull in England on the east coast of uh, England. And basically I, I saw ghosts. I mean, I was living in a, in a house that to me was haunted. We had poltergeist activity. Um, I'd come home from school, put my keys on the window ledge in the hallway for the next day, come back half an hour later, they're gone. I go up to brush my teeth and they'd be in the bathroom sink. And it certainly wasn't my brothers or my father playing tricks, which is what we thought at first, you know. And I saw ghosts, the Cavalier ghost, and uh, all kinds of other strange things that happened to me. Um, and it really caused me to be very scared. I mean, I, I, I still do sometimes sleep with the lights on. <laughs> and I used to sleep with the lights on under the covers, you know, just, just this mouth so I could breathe. And um, yeah, I mean, I had a very tough uh, growing up. And I, I was always interested in the, the magical, the spiritual, <clears throat> the, the sort of paranormal as well. And I felt like I was playing with fire because the more I read about it, the more happened in my life, yeah? Uh -huh. And um, so when I got to, I, I had all these experiences. When I got to be, I don't know, early 20s after I graduated and left college and got a job and started a family, I think life just catches up and you just get into the, the routine of things. And um, a lot of this stuff went away, although from sure. time to time, strange things would happen. And um, I guess when I got to be about uh, 35, I was living in Houston, Texas, actually. And um, I just decided, you know, now's the time to, to do something. So I studied with a school of magic out of the Channel Islands in the UK called the Servants of the Light. Wow. And I did their five-year course correspondence course. And I, I went over to the UK and I did a few, um, I did a few session weekend sessions and workshops and things. And eventually they, um, they invited me in and I was um, initiated a couple of times and became a supervisor and took on students for them, that kind of thing. Uh, I did leave the school, I don't know, a couple of three years ago um, and sort of been solo ever since. And in the process of doing all that, I wrote a book uh, back in 2005 called Inner Journeys, Explorations of the Soul. And the idea behind the book was to talk about the motivations for joining a school of magic, a real, a real school of magic, and what I learned and how I developed a, a spirit contact doing the course. 
And so I happened to recount a number of these stories of growing up, like um, the little blue man that jumped out the mirrored wardrobe and shot me with a, with a gun that said, bang. <laughs> scampered across the bed and jumped through the, I mean, went through the glass and jumped out. And my parents came running upstairs because they heard the gunshot. Wow. Explain that, right? And uh, I must have been about three or four years old at the time. <clears throat> and that was basically the start of it, right? So I put these stories in the book. And um, the book the book kind of sold, you know, 50, 60, 70 copies. Nothing special. It's still still on sale now uh, from Thoth Publications, and um, I started thinking, you know, what what else could I write about? And someone said to me, "Well, why don't you take those stories of you know ghosts when you were growing up, <clears throat> excuse me, and turn it into a proper book?" So I thought, "Well, that's not a bad idea." So I wrote My Haunted Life, which was the first of a trilogy. <clears throat> and I wanted to follow that up. So I started talking to family members and friends, you know, everybody's got a story. What happened to you? Have you ever seen a ghost? Have you ever had a strange experience? So I started to collect these stories. And I wrote My Haunted Life 2, My Haunted Life 3, as you do. And um, then I thought, well, why not build a website? <clears throat> so I built a website called MyHauntedLife2.com, which is still out there. And people start submitting stories. Mm -hmm. And that gives you not just good material, but it gives you a lot of ideas because I'm, I have a PhD and I'm the kind of guy that I'm not content just to listen to a story. I want to try to explain what's going on. And so um, I started to pick topics or themes like ghosts in the machine, you know, um, ghosts calling you on your mobile phone, things like this, um, going in a hotel room and the TV switches itself on, that kind of thing. <laughs> what would cause that kind of phenomena. So I started to do background investigation. And this was all going great. And the books were selling, you know, not, not bad, but never going to be, you know, multi-billionaire or anything. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, you're talking a, you know, a few tens of dollars every month, but still it's a hobby and it's nice to get some money from a hobby, right? Mm -hmm. And then one day this story got submitted to the website and I read it. Now, very little scared me at this point because I'd seen everything in all the stories about ghosts and skeletons and ghoulies and everything you could possibly imagine. And, and I'd heard of Black Eyed Kids, but only kind of vaguely. I thought it was just like, um, just a myth, really. <laughs> and the story came in and I sat and I read it and, and, and literally I could feel the ice crawling up the back of my neck, you know, and I'm thinking, <laughs> good Lord, this is, this is a pretty unpleasant scenario. And um, so I, I put it on the website and uh, we did a bit of promotion. My, you know, I have a friend that helps me with promotion, Facebook and stuff like that. And before I knew it, all these stories were flooding in about black eyed kids, black eyed people, all of these encounter stories. And I thought, okay, what's going on here then? So I started to do some internet research. I came across um, Brian Bethel, who um, was, was basically kind of credited with the first story about Black Eyed Kids, which as you were talking about sitting in the car and the knock on the window, Brian Bethel's story is he's sitting in his car and there's a knock on the window, but they really are Black Eyed Kids and they want to ride here. You know, let me in, we need to go somewhere. Exactly. And this was, I guess this was in the, the, the time when the internet was just becoming a thing. So it was on a bulletin board and it, it took off and all kinds of other stories were published on this bulletin board. And so for many people, Brian Bethel had the first Black Eyed Kid encounter. But what I discovered was that's not true. Black Eyed Kid encounter stories go back 
decades and, in fact, maybe centuries. And it seems to me that this black-eyed um, ghoulie has been around for as long as we have in one form or another. And there's a couple of things I'd like to clear up because um, I, I've read a few internet sort of accounts of the black, my book on black-eyed kids, and people say that I say it's, a, it's, um, it's an Indian spirit. That's not, that's not what I say at all. What I say is there's an example of this kind of entity in a different century, in a different culture. I'm not saying that's where it came from. I, I'm saying that it's just another example of a black-eyed vampire-type uh, entity. And because it's a different culture, because it's a native Indian culture, um, the story comes out a little bit differently. And the classic story of black-eyed kid encounters that, that the book is full of is very much a North American cultural phenomenon. That's why there's a bit of a, a myth or, or whatever, about, a mythos about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that the culture and the phenom the phenomena adapts to the culture, right? So in, in North America, this, the, the typical story goes, you sat at home alone, it's late at night, there's a knock on the door. You feel uncomfortable already, and you don't really know why, and you go to the door, and you open the door, and it can be like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and there'll be two small kids on the doorstep. They'll be dressed in fairly formal clothing, maybe black and white, and maybe a little old-fashioned looking, and they will ask quite nicely and demurely, can I come in? Maybe I want to use the phone, I want to use the telegraph in one instance, um, I need to call somebody, I need to contact somebody, we need to come in. And at this point, the person who's answered the door is beginning to feel really extremely frightened with no real explanation, can't explain it. And, and because it's two young kids, very vulnerable, early hours of the morning, you really want to help them. You really want to find out what the problem is, why, who, you know, why are you out there at this time in the morning and who do you need to call? But on the other hand, you feel in mortal danger. There's some weirdness about these kids that seems to have people really frightened. And that's when they notice the black eyes. There's no, there's no white, there's no pupil, it's all black. And of course, that sends the fear of God and they slam the door shut. And then they're subjected to hours of door knocking, which uh, eventually will stop and it all goes quiet. And of course, that's that's often supplemented with other things like um, electrical malfunctions, the lights flicker on and off, the TV stops. There's also another another sort of aspect to it, which I find quite fascinating, which is that often the person who answers the door is the only one that sees and hears the kids. Uh, there might be a couple of people in the house, both of whom will will see and hear them. But there'll be, you know, if it was snowing, there's no footprints. If it's if it's wet, there's no footprints. Neighbors didn't hear anything, even though the, they were knocking, you know, so loud on the door it would wake the dead. The neighbors don't hear it. So it's almost as if it happens within their universe and not within our shared universe. So it's something they experience, but other people don't experience it alongside of them, which I think is really weird, but also symptomatic of this kind of entity, transdimensional entity, if you want, that can be seen by you, but not by me. Or, or can be seen by you, but not actually leave any ev evidence it's been there, unless, of course, they want to. 
<clears throat> because in one story that got submitted, I, I really thought it was quite interesting that um, the boy was chewing an apple. And uh, they told him, go away, and eventually he did go away. But when they opened the door, the apple was on the doorstep. Oh. Half-eaten apple. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think, I think the reason why it's so chilling is because what you've got is innocence on the doorstep, which mm -hmm. is total evil, yeah? And that combination of innocence but evil is really quite chilling and very frightening, don't you think? I do. I, I, I just I, I find the whole thing frightening. I really do. Um, there's a, you know the other ones that scare me, and I know I and I know I've heard stories of them when people have children in cars. Yeah, well, Brian Bethel's story is uh, sitting in his car, and uh, I think I can't remember whether he was going to a concert or something, and there was knock on the window, and it was black-eyed kids um, trying to get into his car. Um, I mean, these, these kids also, there's, there's a couple of stories that I got submitted where it's like U.S. Armed Forces bases. I mean, how do they, how do they breach security and get into a U.S. Armed Forces base? And yet there they were. And, of course, I always like to joke about Walmart because half, the, half of the stories um, of black-eyed people happened in Walmart. So if you're, if you're on your way to Walmart, just be careful because that seems to be a, a definite haunt of black-eyed people. And aren't there stories of people that have children in cars and they invite the kids in? I've heard I've heard a couple I, stories I, where somebody's driving and they look in their rearview mirror and they just <laughs> want to sit in the back seat with their kid. I, I haven't had any stories like that, but that would scare the hell out of me. I, I um, there are very few there are very few stories where the black eyed kids are actually let in um, to either the car or the house, and I could only find uh, two. One that. Um, was sent to me were the two people, their animals died, ran away, he got cancer, and, and they had a whole bunch of after effects from, from black eyed kids. Um, and the other one was something I found on the internet and called kind of quoted, where um, the neighbors disappeared and they suspected that the neighbors had let them in. And, uh, and so, you know, it, all of these stories they never get let in. Well, someone must let them in. So what the hell happens to the people that let them in? Right. And then, then you compare that to the number of people that disappear in North America every single day. <laughs> and <laughs> if you put two and two together, you can come up with five or four, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's not just at night, though, because there's, the, there's, re there's new reports of them showing up during the day, too. People oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in... in Perfectly normal daytime hours and uh, in the street, um, you know, the, the black eyed person stories um, in the sort of Walmart parking lot where um, the woman's walking to a car and, and the, what she thinks is a homeless person shouts to her. I can't remember her exact name. So let's say she was called Cynthia. Hello, Cynthia. How are you? Can you give me a ride? And she looks shocked because how the hell can this homeless person know her name? You know, and then she notices Black eyes, Whoosh, gone. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think they are, or where do you think they come from? Well, like I said, I, I think that they're um, they're interdimensional uh, beings because we, we live in a we live in a in the universe and we think that um, you know this is it. But um, I, I know from things like Kabbalah, magical practice around Kabbalah, there are ten spheres there are 10 spheres on the tree of life and one hidden one too so there are 11 in total and there are four worlds 
in the Kabbalah. So that's 44 different universes, mm -hmm. each with its own reality, each with its own state of vibration. And that's, that's just one view of creation. If you look at science, the, you know, multiverses, multiple universes, there's all kinds, it's, um, it's not just paranormal people that postulate many, many different universes. It's, it's also postulated in real hard science and it's postulated in magic. In magic, we, you know, talk to spirits and, and uh, agencies of different dimensions in order to gain knowledge. So the idea that there are these dimensions, um, they're not all filled with nice things. There are things out there that are predators upon humanity. And we have something they want, and that something is emotional energy. And that emotional energy can take the form of fear. It can take the form of lust. So I've also written a book, uh, not so popular, unfortunately. I never really understood why, but about um, um, the demons that come and, uh, I don't know uh, what your audience is like, but the, the succubi and incubi and uh, the old hag. And these are entities that, that basically come, and I never ever experienced one on, on a train to Germany, which is why I wrote the book and did the research, because it happened to me, and I'm like, wow, you know. And these things will come and they'll, they'll sit on you, and, and they're basically, they, they provoke a sexual response, even though you're in a, in a state where you would think that was impossible. Um, and that's the energy that they're looking to to feed from is that lust or that sexual energy. So I, you know, I, I think that uh, the the, vamp the story of the vampires feeding on blood, blood is the life force. Um, so it's kind of symbolic of the same thing, which is feeding on your emotional energy or your emotional life force. And these interdimensional beings are capable of, I think, coming into your personal existence. I'm not necessarily sure that they enter. Our, our shared existence, but I think they can enter your personal existence. Does that make sense? That, yes, it does. Like with the black-eyed uh, children, um, like you say, you know, like they'll know people's names, which is really creepy, you know, yeah. about that. So like you say, if they share the existence and somehow they're getting either, they're either coming back and forth and we're not seeing them, you know, then they decide to like go to physical form or they're just around us in a different dimension. Yeah, um, I think that they choose their victims um, carefully. I think they choose people that uh, are vulnerable at that particular point in time, uh, emotionally or whatever. And um, certainly what I came to the conclusion when I wrote that first book after doing that course of magic was that on the other side, wherever that is, my fear was lighting me up like a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. So, so I was an obvious target. Oh, look, look at, look at this guy shedding fear energy all the time. And all we have to do is, you know, put his, take his keys from the window ledge and put them in the bathroom sink and lunch. <laughs> hey, I admit, I live in a haunted house. And I have the TV on all night long. Really? Well, but don't, don't they, um, don't they use the TV at all? Because, um, Sometimes like they'll use uh, you know electronic devices, switch it off, switch it on. Um, I don't want to scare you, but they can even <laughs> use the TV static to, um, mm -hmm. to manifest their own uh, vo a voice or whatever. Sure. I never had a big problem with the TV. Um, years ago I did when I was younger because it would turn on and off. 
Yeah. But now it's not so bad. It's the computer. They, they, they like to hit on my computer, my cell phone. Yeah. No, I, I, I often leave the, I often leave the light, well, a light in the hall. And the light. Yeah. I often leave a light on in the hall. I, I don't like to wake up in the dark um, in a strange place, scared. I, I tend to, what, what causes me more problems than anything else are nightmares, dreams. I have very crazy, convoluted, complex dreams. I say to my, my daughter, she's 13, and sometimes I say, you know, I'm not sure whether this is my life or this is my dream because my dreams are more convoluted and more complicated than my life. And sometimes she'll say to me, um, she'll come running in and wake me up. And she's like, dad, you're screaming again. <laughs> and so it's, you know, that's, that's when I'm vulnerable. When I wake up from one of these nightmares and my heart's going like crazy and I'm sweating and it's all dark and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm still in that nightmare for a few seconds. That's, that's when I'm vulnerable. But I, I, I protect do think, myself. Do you think you're sensitive? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been psychic all my life. And, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, what I'm doing these days is uh, dowsing earth energy lines across the Czech Republic and um, writing books about uh, – I, I tend to write books on anything that takes my fancy. So unlike some paranormal people that just write about paranormal stuff, I'll throw out a ghost book and then a book on magic and then some poetry and, and you know, take your pick. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Um, I, I enjoy, your books. I enjoy I said, doing all of it. I have so. been, I've, I've been reading your books for years. And I love your books. That's why I'm so excited to get you on because I'm a big fan. Um, with these black-eyed kids, black-eyed children, black-eyed kids, there's adults too, right? Because I've heard yeah. reports yeah, yeah, yeah. of black-eyed adults. Black-eyed adults and there's even white-eyed adults as well. Um, I've never heard of the white-eyed ones. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah, apparently there are white-eyed ones. Um, but the, the, adult, the adults sometimes are with the kids. So you'll get um, some stories where the people notice, maybe from their front window, kids and adults hanging around that look strange and start to make them nervous. And then sometimes the adults will show up at the end of the encounter and collect the kids. And sometimes the adults show up all by themselves. So there's a good couple of good stories in the book, true encounters where things like the sales guy um, comes to the door and uh, is saying to the, to the father, who, father of the house, you know, let me in so I can show the things. And the kid who's looking out the window can see that, that, that this man has black eyes. And he's saying to his dad, don't let him in, don't let him in. <laughs> And this is a black-eyed adult. Um, the Walmart stories are generally adults as well. Um, and there's there's a couple of good stories in the book where um, one, the daughter's left in the car and uh, black-eyed kids are knocking on the window. Meanwhile, the mum is shopping in Walmart. And um, what happens is she bumps into some strange black-eyed person in the store. And so they're both scared to death. Um, so there's lots of stories. And then the white-eyed kids are just a couple of stories uh, which are really quite puzzling because the white-eyed uh, tend to hunt the black-eyed, so it seems. And there's one story where um, the man or the woman is being pursued by a black-eyed person and feeling very scared and then they're bumped into 
by another person who has white eyes who tells them, don't be, don't be worried, I'm going to deal with this for you. Cool. Just, just be calm. But I, I suspect the white eyes and the black eyes denote just the level of, of, the, um, uh, of the demonic entity. Because in, in magic and in demonology, a white, a white demon is higher and more powerful than a black demon. Makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't know about the white-eyed one. I gotta, I gotta start doing research into that now. That'll really creep me out. Thank you very much. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> on the book, I mean, um, the book I, I put out. That's the first version that you're showing, and then I, I, okay. I put out a little book of stories, and then um, I thought, well, you know, let's put them together. So I put out a compilation called "Chilling Tales of Black-eyed Kids," which is the one that sold really quite well. And then just recently, I did a deal with um, Raven Tales Publishing. And what we're doing is we're going to put out a, a, a third edition with some additional material and, and uh, professionally edited. This one will be much more. I tend to do my own books and I self-publish and all that kind of stuff. This one's going mm -hmm. to be a really professional version. And I'm hoping it, they've sold about 5,000 copies, which is pretty good. And I'm hoping with a, a more professional marketing approach, um, it might get to a, a really good audience, maybe twenty thousand, something like that. That's my. That would be nice because then, you know, it it um, the hobby then starts to look uh, interesting. Right. When you research these books, is, is it information primarily from the internet, or do you go out talk to people? It depends what the topic is and who who I think I I can can reach. So I, I always start off with internet research. And um, I mean, the internet is great for 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 that kind of thing, uh, digging around. And, and of course, um, I even know how to do it in Czech, which gives you a slightly different view of the world. And then um, if depending on the topic, I'll go start talking to people that I know, particularly in the magic community or in the paranormal community that I, I know of, and try to pick people's brains. Um, yeah. And sometimes the idea comes from talking to people um, as opposed to stories that have been submitted. Sometimes and sometimes the idea comes from my own experience, like I told you about the, um, the incident. Uh, I was on a train. Mm -hmm. I live in the Czech Republic, and I was going on a business trip to um, North Germany. And um, it's only like maybe 500 miles. So it's just a bit too long to drive but too short to fly, especially if to fly, you've got to drive 100 kilometers to, to one airport and then 100 kilometers at the other end, right? So this time I thought, oh, I tell you what, what, I will do something I've always wanted to do, which is I'll take an overnight train, right? So I took an overnight train from Vienna out to um, uh, uh, Dusseldorf in Germany. And I booked myself a top-notch single person sleeper and trust me you know you go in there and it's like wow it's got shower and it's got uh i've got a television but it's all mod cons drink tray breakfast dinner all this kind of stuff and i thought <clears throat> you know i'm really gonna have a, a nice evening and um i was i pulled everything down made the bed and i thought i'll jump into bed early because I, it, it arrives at six o'clock in the morning so i'll have to get up early so i got into bed and i switched the lights out and um the, the, the sort of motion of the train, you know, rocks you gently to sleep. And then I woke up and I, I'm awake and I felt this weight sitting on my belly. And 
I open my eyes and I see this shadow creature glaring at me, leering at me, and um, I can't move. I can't move a finger. I can hear the people in the carriage next door laughing and joking. I can hear the rattles of the train, but I can't move. And, and I'm looking at this thing and I'm, and, and I'm thinking to myself, no, 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 no. You're not going to do no, no, no. And I'm struggling, struggling. And eventually, I don't know why, but eventually I came out of it. And this thing floated up like, like a, a black smoke and sat in the luggage rack. So I'm glaring at this thing in the luggage rack, and I suppose it's glaring at me. And I did a couple of things that I thought would get rid of it. And then I went for a walk and bought a beer and talked to some people, came back, got back into bed, tried to sleep. Same thing happened again. So rather than be a nice, you know, interesting overnight ride to Germany, it was like um, I was up all night. I don't go to sleep. I don't close my eyes. Because every time I did this, this sleep paralysis would happen and this thing would come down from the luggage rack and, and attack me again. So I thought to myself, well, what, what could this be? And I started reading up about sleep paralysis and, I, and, and the, the, the night hag, the old hag nightmare. And of course, materialistic science says that uh, it's a product of sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. But I came to a different conclusion. Sleep paralysis is what the entity uses in order to attack you and uh, basically create your fear and sexual energy that it can then take. And I'm not the only, you know, again, I'm not the only person that, that uh, thinks this. If you read other people's uh, books on succubi and that kind of entity, you'll find that uh, a few people have floated this hypothesis that you know, materialistic science has got it back to front. Sleep paralysis isn't isn't the thing that causes the experience. The experience causes the sleep paralysis, or the entity causes the sleep paralysis. So, and then I don't know if you come across another book I wrote about um, um, living ghosts, uh, and and this one got really interesting. I, my mum, who uh, lives in the UK, I, I called her one day. And she said to me straight away, she said, uh, Gary, you know about this stuff. Um, I keep seeing my, my sister. I said, well, that's good. She said, no, 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 she's not here. She's still at home, but I keep seeing like her ghost. Oh. So I said, well, describe. She said, well, one day I looked out the window and she was at my front door and then she wasn't. Another day I was in the kitchen cooking and I turned around, she was behind me and then she was gone. What could it be? Do you think she's going to pass away? So I, th I said, Mum, I have no, no idea, but I started doing research. And of course, I got into this idea of bilocation where saints and magicians and alchemists and all kinds of people are in two places at once. They can be in two places at once. And I, I came to a, a conclusion, maybe wrong, but I still thought it was quite interesting that in my mum's case, it could be just that, you know, my, her sister is sitting at home and she's an older person and she's got nothing to do. And she's thinking about my mum very hard and going into a trance. And she's projecting herself into my mum's reality just temporarily. And this is how, you know, this experience was working. So the whole book, <coughs> excuse me, is, is an exploration of the living ghost phenomena, bilocation, astral projection, all of those kinds of things, doppelgangers, um, that kind of thing. Oh, my gosh, doppelgangers, yes. Yeah. 
I mean, well, I think one of the stories I read, you know, Time Life had a really good series years ago on, on paranormal stuff mm -hmm. and legends. And I remember in particular, there was one out of Scotland about a doppelganger. And, and, and the way the story went was if you looked in a mirror and saw yourself looking over your shoulder, <laughs> then that meant, that, that meant you were going to die. That was your doppelganger coming to get you. Yeah. Creepy stuff like that. Creepy, but... I don't know that I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you are so fast. I mean, like, like like you say, you've written all these topics and stuff that interests you. I tend to do that too. Yeah. And, well, um, <clears throat> I'm just uh, I'm I'm just one of those people. I just keep doing stuff. I mean, I have a full time job, um, <clears throat> but I still I write, I blog, I'm making videos now, <clears throat> I make music. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Okay. And I just, I just always have to be doing something. Now, going back to the train, how long did that last? Did it last? Did that situation last all night, or was it just something that happened in a certain section of the track? The uh, the two the two paralysis uh, moments were probably only um, ninety seconds apiece, but the I could still see the entity sat in the luggage rack. It's like mm -hmm. smoky. Almost like a cigarette smoke had gone up, you know, into the ceiling. I could see it all night long. <clears throat> wow! And I suspect that it lived in that in that little carriage and uh, made use of whoever was occupying that carriage each evening. You know, that's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That or it was mm -hmm. a section of track, you know, that, that that you went over that something, you know, that, that it just was attached to and attached to the train. Yeah. And whatever. And, that's and, craziness. And that kind of thing. Um, that that sort of feel again, you know, the feeling of being powerless because uh -huh. you can't move. That that's that creates the fear um, straight away. So that's why I think sleep paralysis can be used as a tool by these entities um, in order to get you into the into the way they want you, which is shedding off this emotional um, energy. I would think you know after. Being in England, you know, I have family in England and visiting England. The ghosts in Europe, the entities in Europe are more aggressive than they are here. For whatever, maybe because they've been around longer. Maybe. Um, but that raises an interesting point, which is back to the black eyed kids, which is mm -hmm. when I did the, when I was doing the research, I told you that I, I, I had a sense that the story, the modus operandi of the encounter seemed to be related to the culture. So in the UK, the black-eyed kids were also a big thing. And there was a big um, media blitz on black-eyed kids a few years ago. But these kids were ghost kids, right? Cannock Chase, the black-eyed kid of Cannock Chase. And this was a ghost kid. So people would be walking through the, this beautiful forest park and they'd hear moaning. And then they'd come across this girl who'd be crying and rubbing her eyes and saying, you know, I'm lost, help me, I'm lost. And when she looked up, black eyes. And again, that would cause fear in the person um, experiencing this. But then the ghost, the kid would vanish. So they called it the black-eyed ghost. And all of the stories that I could find in the UK, except one, were all about black-eyed ghosts. Now, the one story in the UK that was exactly the same sort of modus operandi as the North American ones was the result of an American living in London who had a knock on his door 
opened it and found black eyed kids who wanted to come in. So that that kind of reinforced for me that this the the, the, the way the entity approaches the person is based on the culture and the cultural um, characteristics of creating fear. So in Britain, it's the ghost, the black eyed kid ghost, the wailing ghost, you know, the, the ghost that um, starts out nice, but ends up attacking you. And in, in America, it's these little kids that come in, stand on the doorstep that look innocent, but actually the, that, you know, true evil incarnate. And um, there's a couple of stories that took place in France where um, it's more like um, a guy's driving, two, two guys driving along and they, they find, um, they see some people at an isolated farmhouse and as they drive up, they, they pull up to ask directions and it's an entire family of black eyed people. <laughs> so they drive away just, just as quickly, right? And, and so that's a, different, that's a different approach on the same, same entity. In the, um, in the case of the North American uh, indigenous people, it's uh, it's small small kids in the um, in the forest coming from the forest with black eyes, right, and um, trying to infect the rest of the tribe with whatever it is that causes the black eyes. <clears throat> so, in in different cultures, the story of black eyes manifests itself in different ways, but the mm -hmm. entity has the same objective of causing fear and feeding off that fear energy. That that was the conclusion that I came to. In the book. You know, along oh, that line, 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 I just, I just read, read on some website, because they're, like you say, they're everywhere. I mean, all those stories are everywhere. About a particular road, I, I couldn't figure out whether it was in England or whether it was in the U.S., but there's a, there was supposed to be a particular road somewhere where they, like you said, they come out of the woods. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they would come out of the woods at night, so this, this, this man had gone out there by himself doing a Facebook Live, I guess, you know. To, to, to walk the road thinking he'd be safe during the day and then he he could hear them in the trees as, as, as they were coming down through the trees and stuff after him and he got no, that the sounds, car, the car that sounds, again that sounds similar to that native um, indigenous uh, North American type uh, cultural experience I guess these days that it could be accused of cultural appropriation <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, um, I, I definitely, you know, have this idea that um, these things exist and that they utilize certain storylines and formats that are more, more frightening in a particular circumstance. That, and I think they've been doing that for as long as, as I said, as long as humanity has been around. Uh -huh. So that's the truth of the matter. Where do you think... Um there's more sightings than others. The most sightings, um, in terms of the stories that were submitted through the website and by email to me, were mostly set in um, the part of the US where I lived, which was like Texas, Louisiana, um, that uh, Mississippi River Valley in the, in the deep south there. Why that would be, I do not know, but um, that's where most of them, and I, there's one beautiful story that um, I got that I, I do like to tell, recount, and it's not black-eyed kids, but um, it has a an element of the same kind of storyline, and uh, it's it's a couple who have family in Texas and they live in Oklahoma, so periodically they'll drive to visit family, 
And this time they decided, you know, sick and tired of driving down the highway, the freeway, so they'd take the back roads. And they're driving down the back roads and the guy notices that they're actually running short on gas. And lo and behold, a gas station's coming up as they round a bend. So they pull into the gas station and the lady gets out and she goes into the store. And as she's walking through the store, she's looking around, she's thinking, well, this is weird. Everything's oldie-worldie, like the till is old-fashioned, everything's covered in dust. The Coke cans are the old-fashioned Coke cans. And so she gets kind of nervous and, and uh, scared, and she, she leaves the store, and she, she finds um, the husband is try, trying to fill the car with gas, and there's a little boy. And the little boy's saying to him, take me fishing. Take me fishing. I want you to take me fishing. And uh, the wife said, looks at the husband, the husband looks at the wife, and they both jump in the car and drive away just as fast as they can, leaving this little boy ranting about, take me fishing, right? And they get about three or four miles up the road, and they come into a small town with a diner. So they're really, you know, scared and, and shook up by it. So they go into the diner for, for uh, something to eat, and they're talking about what happened, and the waitress comes over, and they said... Um, Gosh, we had a really weird experience at the gas station down the road. And the waitress looks at the blankly and said, gas station? There's no gas station down the road. Whoa. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Sorry. And the little boy, take me fishing. Let me in and take me fishing. It's like a black-eyed kid type yeah. uh, scenario, isn't it? You know, Same sort of thing, demanding and uh, seeking permission that, that's the other thing that, that, you know, we didn't really mention is that sure. when they ask to be let in, basically that's like in demonology. The demon wants to cross the threshold and needs to have your permission to do it. So if you are in a situation, uh, listeners, watchers, where a black-eyed kid is on your doorstep, the last thing you do is let them in because you've given them permission, not just to let them into your house, but let them into your so well that's also true for the vampire legends too yeah to, yeah. to give them the okay to come to the door yeah and i i did a bit of I, in the book i have a chapter on black eyed kids and uh no, sorry black eyes and and the meaning of black eyes and how black eyes are, are used by hollywood uh in horror movies all the time these days to denote evil and even um, how some psycho psychological literature, even scientific psychological literature, talks about people with very bad tempers developing black eyes, almost as if they take on a demonic anger aspect and, and get black eyes in the process, which um, um, I've never experienced myself, but apparently it does happen. That's fascinating. So I, look, I, try, I did try to look at the phenomena in you know multiple different ways and... Uh, you know, I, 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 got a, I got quite a lot of reviews for that book, mostly good, but I got one review the other week that really annoyed me because the, the, the person who reviewed it said that I'd taken all the stories from um, Reddit and Wikipedia, and she, she said this because the stories were in italics and therefore I must have lifted them. And I'm thinking, well, some people you just can't help, you know. The reason why the stories are in italics is because they're not they're not my writing. Right. They're somebody else's writing. And each one of them is accredited at the bottom 
to who, unless they didn't want to be accredited, mm -hmm. to the person that submitted the story. And the book quite clearly states where the stuff comes from. And there isn't a story in the book that comes from Wikipedia. <laughs> but some, some people just, you know, some people just uh, like to write bad reviews, I guess. But I was pretty disappointed by that review because on Amazon these days, you can't respond anymore, you know. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Do you think, do you see uh, these things approaching, like you say, a certain type of person, a certain age group, because because they know they can get to, get to them better? <clears throat> to be honest, I didn't see any pattern <clears throat> in terms of a certain age group or, or gender, but um, quite often they did seem to try to look for older couples, I would suggest. But that's not anywhere near like a rule i mean they, they also uh, they tried you know men women of all ages but there was there was a sort of maybe half of the stories were were older couples living alone of and uh, in in relative isolated areas you know not like um not like in a block of apartments in in mm. downtown somewhere but more in a house in on the edge of a town in the countryside that was my next question was, you know, are, are they doing this on like, like, like not city blocks because I live like in the county, but not way out, you know, it's just a normal, normal yeah. housing thing. Or is it more like outside where people are more cut off? Um, I don't get, again, I don't get the impression that it's cut off, but um, not, uh, not, not lots of people walking around. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, you know, you've got stories submitted by servicemen living on U.S. Air Force bases. And you're wondering to yourself, well, how, how does a, a small child pass mm -hmm. security to get into such a place? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I don't think I don't think they are physical kids after all. I think they manifest and look physical, but I think they're, they're, they're entities that and not in our reality. Well, I don't know about you. I mean, <clears throat> if a couple of small kids come to my door at 4 a.m., I'm going to be suspicious. You know, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, if anybody comes to my door at 4 a.m., I'm going to be suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, even even um, even when I lived in the U.S., I would have been you know suspicious of uh, people at 4 a.m., 4 o'clock in the morning, knocking on it my door. It also amazes me that now that people have all these ring devices, you know, on, on their doorbells that yeah. nothing's ever been caught on camera either. Well, that, that's the other thing is that um, you have all these stories of people who claim to have had this experience and then they've, they've locked the kid out and the kid has been banging on the door mm -hmm. and they describe the noise like so loud it would wake the dead. And yet the neighbor, who's only a matter of feet away, never heard anything all night long. And that's why it seems to me as if they manifest in, in, a, in an individual's experience, but they're not really there. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't think they leave any physical evidence unless they want to. There's no footsteps, no footprints. They don't leave any evidence they were ever there. They're not seen by anybody. For example, there's a couple of stories where um, the person reported the kids to the police and the police um, did a, a you know probably a rudimentary check, and, mm -hmm. and nobody else saw any kids, so they, they discounted the um, the call. Uh, so it's real to you, and it's in your sphere of reality, 
but I, I, I don't think if, if there was a crowd of people around, they wouldn't see. And even the same thing in, um, there's a couple of stories in the book about black eyed adults who bump into people and show the black eyes and scare the person. And when the person turns to other people and says, did you see that guy? Did you see that guy? Nobody saw them except that, except the person having the encounter. So it's almost like they only, they're only in your reality. And as I finish the book, as I finish the book, I, I love the way I finish the book because I finish it off by saying, you know, the other part of this whole thing is that they do say, once you've heard of the black eyed kids, you will experience them. <laughs> See, that's a, that's a knock on my window, I tell you. Um, the other thing that strikes me, like, like you talk about where that particular person will see them and the other ones won't, maybe these people are sensitive to begin with, and that's why. They're too maybe, big whatever and, frequency and these things can come up. That's difficult to test um, uh -huh. when you're just relying on stories and, and uh, that kind of thing. Um, for me, because I know that I am sensitive, I do tend to practice uh, self-defense mm -hmm. and um, I do have some, you know, some, I was going to say rituals, but that would be too formal, but some, some ways of just um, making, you know, protecting myself because I, I, you know, I'm sitting writing these books and reading these stories and um, yeah, I, I've got to be able to switch that all off and, and go back to uh, being a normal a normal TV watching person and not have strange experiences because of what I'm doing. I don't want to attract anything. You know? I was going to say, because you've got kids, obviously. I mean, <laughs> do you really, really put, put a lot of protection up around you? Because I mean, you don't want anything going after your kids either, because if you're sensitive, one, one or both, one or, the, or all your kids are sensitive too. Well, my daughter appears to be sensitive. Um, and one of my, I have three sons, adult sons in uh, Texas. One of my sons appears to be as well, um, but not all. Mm -hmm. And you can't, I can't necessarily protect them per se. I can only protect the environment that they're in. And um, part of that is, is by mindfulness, what you, what you're spending your thinking time thinking about. And part of it is just simple things like just imagining, a, you know, a barrier of light, around yourself or something along those those lines i even even when i go dowsing um i take care to protect myself first because you never know you know dowsing is is using the same uh, intuitive spiritual uh, side of yourself and and you can run into um things you wouldn't want to because you've opened yourself up in order to do the dows dowsing. So I protect myself even then. <coughs> yeah, because I know that my mother, um, taking care of her, my only mother, because she was sensitive. And I remember doing some investigations and I, uh, a particular one uh, out by the river where it involved mobsters, you know, in a speakeasy. And I came home from it. Everything was, everything was fine about three in the morning. She wakes up screaming, and I said, "Well, what's wrong?" And she says, "They're throwing they're throwing people in the river. They're throwing people in the river. The bodies, the bodies. You know, yeah. and, 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 and somehow it came home and, and affected her without yeah. me realizing it. That's why I was wondering about your kids. No, that that can happen. And uh, I mean, with my with my daughter, um, she definitely um, 
is open, but I try not to bother her with this stuff. I mean, I don't uh, actively, maybe the dowsing a little bit and uh, earth energies and the sort of positive side of, of it, but I, I try not to. There's one of the, one of the big podcasting guys, um, <clears throat> he's, he's uh, the voice for my books. If you do the audio, if you take an audio book, Darren Marler, his name is. He does the Weird Darkness podcast. Sorry to advertise somebody else's on yours. That's okay. He's really good at, uh, at doing, reading the creepy story. But Darren is a voice artist, so his, his voice is on all different kinds of YouTube videos. You know, it could be anything from airplane safety videos to, you know, um, unwrapping of different products. And because my daughter has heard him reading my books, every time she puts on a YouTube video and it's Darren's voice, she goes, oh, no, no, I can't listen. Scary, scary. <laughs> I think I might have come across one of his videos on, on Black Eyed Children the other night. Yeah. So that was the statue. He's got well, a really Darren, cool voice. Darren reads a lot of the stories uh, for all. He reads a lot of my books for audiobooks. And we also did a, a, a deal um, where he would read a lot of the submissions on the website on his podcast and drive people to the to the website, which was. Which is very good because, um, you know, how do you promote a website these days? It's, it's pretty difficult. It's hard because there's, there's so many so many fish. It's, it's, it's such a big pond. Well, the problem is, is social media like Facebook. They, they um, you know, Facebook is, is not uh, an equal deal anymore. Uh, they get to, pitch, to create a profile and sell it to advertisers of you. Mm -hmm. But if you put something on a Facebook page, they only spread it to about five people unless you pay them an advertising fee. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. But it didn't used to be that way. I mean, you know, that's the business model. What do you have to say to people that um, might think they ran into a black-eyed black kid or how to deal with it? <clears throat> how to deal with it? Yeah. Um, how to deal with it is to basically do your best to ignore them and not to try not to, to be frightened and try to rationalize it, uh, shut the door, don't let them in ignore whatever and uh, just get on with your life and don't don't dwell on it I think the more that you dwell on something like that the more you're attracting the uh, the, the entity real quick um, when we were talking about you were talking about how they can manifest themselves and, and appear wherever they want to that makes a lot of sense because like the people that have seen them come to their back doors yeah because somehow they have to you know Get into through the backyard, the gates or whatever. Especially, especially in the United States, everybody's got a gate on their, you know, gate to go into their backyard. So somehow they're getting in the backyards and they're knocking on the back doors. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I mean, I, there's a good story um, in, in the in the book as well, where um, they are looking out the back window of their house and and they're looking straight out, but the small the child, because he's low down and looking up, says says to the parents. Well, who's the man standing on the electric wire? And there's a black-eyed person standing on the electric wire, staring down at staring down at them through the window. Wow, that's yeah, that's just that's creepy stuff. Thank you so much. This hour has blown by, and I mean, this yeah. is incredible yeah. for me to talk to you. Is incredible because, like I said, I have been a fan of yours for years. And cool, very wow. nice. Thank you. I'm so glad you came on. How do people find you? How do people get your books? 
Well, the books are all on any Amazon site. Um, as I say, most of them are audio plus Kindle. Um, you can also get paperbacks of the bigger ones. Uh, just search on G. Michael Vizzy. I go by G. Michael Vizzy, even though I'm Gary, just because I wanted to keep the professional life separate. But with Google, it figures out, so it doesn't matter. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I direct people to, to My Haunted Life 2, T-O-O, as in also, myhauntedlife2.com. That's the site with the stories. Leave your story there. Leave your experience there. I sometimes give people free books if it's a great story. And uh, if you're interested in more of the magical side, um, earthmagicbrunner, brnr.com. But I'm all over the internet. Fantastic, fantastic. I would love to sit down with you again at some point, if that's okay, and do another yeah, interview no. and talk about your other stuff. Because by that time, you know, maybe my head's long enough to actually put in a, <laughs> a tail and look semi-decent, you know. Yeah, you've got so much stuff to, to talk about. It's just incredible. It's just absolutely yeah. incredible. No, there's lots of stuff we could talk about. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. No problem. And I know, I know it's getting late your time, too, so I'm going to let you go. And, uh, yeah, again, I'll, 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 I'll be in touch to get you back on because I really want to discuss your other stuff. Sounds good. You Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you, sir. No problem. Bye-bye. Have a good one. All right, that was G. Michael Vasey. I mean, like I said, I am a huge fan of this man's book work, and I must have like three or four of his books. You can't compare. Fantastic. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for coming today. Um, let's talk about some, a few things here. Our numbers are definitely going up, and I'm real proud of that. Um, we're getting a lot of downloads on YouTube. Um, go over to our YouTube page and uh, become a subscriber because we want to keep bringing these shows to you guys. We love doing them, and there's going to be some that I'm probably going to do during the day because they are either in England or Europe, so keep an eye out for that. And um, if you can help us out a little bit, we are a nonprofit paranormal investigation team, so all this comes out of pocket for us. So if you could help us out a little bit to keep, keep the show on the air, we can keep bringing guests on. Um, donate to paypal.me at California Haunts because, uh, like I said, we, we don't have enough people watching to get the, the whole star thing going on Facebook. So this is the way we do it. PayPal.me at California Haunts. Every little bit helps for us to keep the show on the air. Like I, I mean, everything was out of my pocket. Um, this was great. It was fun. We're going to be on our normal time tomorrow at 630. In fact, let me reach down here real quick. This is senility when you can't remember who's on your show, right? Tomorrow we are going to have Mr. Gorg is going to be coming on tomorrow evening at 630 p.m. And he is going to be talking about, let's see, Mr. Gorda, hello. See, this shows you, this shows you what I, you know, this shows you what I have to do, right? Ah, yeah, Mr. Gorga is going to be on at 6.30 tomorrow. I'm so sorry. I just, I tell you, it's humility. And uh, he's going to be talking about demonic stuff and then demonic entities. So we're in, 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 you know, some of the cases that, that he's coming, you know, he's done research on. So he's going to be on with us at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Again, I thank you guys for coming in. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you didn't like the show, share it anyway. Share it with your enemies. We're trying to get the word out. The more the merrier. But I thank you all for coming. And I will see you all tomorrow night. Have a good day. <laughs>